There's some books that we've bought. Uh, one is Easy to Love, Difficult to Discipline. That's one that I actually use as a teacher also. Even though it was for younger kids, it still really transformed how I communicated and connected with my students when I was a teacher. So that one was a great one. Uh, I work with my mindset coach a lot too. And I'll say like, hey, here's what's coming up or here's what I'm noticing. I'm not sure how to help my daughter through this. And so I'll ask her questions like that. When it comes to building a business empire online while intentionally cultivating a thriving life at home with kids, well, there is no roadmap. It's not easy, but the great news is we're not alone. We live in a crazy world that is truly unlike any other time in our history. And if you're like me, you've got an impact of your own to make, but you're not willing to sacrifice your relationship with those that you love in order to get it. My name is Stephanie Dove Blake, and this is the Powerful Parenting Journey Podcast where we'll journey together to learn what it means to be a truly powerful parent. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Today, I am absolutely thrilled to get to share a remarkable guest with you. This is someone who is as vibrant and ever-changing as her kaleidoscopic hair colors. I have had major hair envy of the ever-beautiful Brittany Long. She is CEO and founder of Win With Systems and widely known in our industry as the queen of evergreen. Brittany is not just an entrepreneur. She's an innovator, renowned for her incredible service of crafting evergreen emails that powerfully impact your business's bottom line. Brittany always brings a unique perspective and high emotional intelligence that at times has astounded me. It's allowed her to understand people deeply while her innate kindness and humor makes her so endearing to those who have the pleasure to know her and to work with her. Brittany's most recent venture is something called the AI Copy Club. I literally just bought in this morning. I am so excited about this. It's an ultra affordable membership platform designed to help business owners integrate AI into their operations effectively and efficiently. But the cool thing is, is Brittany's not all about business, right? That's why she's on this podcast. She's a devoted mother who consciously brings the same intentionality to parenting as she does to her profession. With a drive to help others win with systems, Brittany is a true force to be reckoned with. So ladies and gentlemen, let's dive into a riveting journey of Brittany Long. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so glad to be here with Brittany Long. And Brittany, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Oh man. You know, Brittany, you and I met, I think I was in Digital Insiders and it's been at least what? Four years, probably, or maybe yeah, five I think years. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have enjoyed so much watching your journey over these years because you are an ex teacher and I believe you had a business helping teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, my husband runs that one now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know it was still existing. And so uh, you help teachers. And then now you've got this incredible business uh, where you've got Win with Systems. And then you are also have a brand new offering called the AI Copy Club. And I just love watching as you see new opportunities. And the cool thing is, is it's not like you're uh, shiny object syndrome. You really dive in and you dive deep and you provide a real tangible service. Like you have got the grit, the gumption, the goods, whenever it comes to the services you provide and the courses you teach. And um, you bring all of that with so much fun and creativity. And I just love that about you. I love it so much. And so it's so neat to see kind of where you are today. And now here you are, we're going to get to dive into some of the business side, but also talk about parenting because you are the mother of a beautiful three-year-old daughter, right? That's right. Yep. Just turned three. Oh my gosh. So 
Whenever you were growing up, did you always want to be a mother? Was that always on your radar? I think it was. I think that it was just an expected thing. Um, I I think now it might be different. Uh, but growing up, like I saw women in my life that were stay-at-home moms, that were teachers, and uh, that's about it. <laughs> I can't really think of you know a woman in my life that was doing anything different. And so I think I just kind of expected, well, this is the path that I'm going to take, and um, that's just how it is. But then as I grew older, I really, really wanted to be a mother. Um, it wasn't just a this is what it's ex- what I felt like was expected or normal, but it's what I really wanted. And so then we actually tried for about five years, and I thought, well, it's not going to happen. I'm just going to be the cool aunt and. It is what it is. And so then we were uh, surprised when we found out that I was pregnant with my daughter. And it was just such a wonderful time. And and then the pandemic hit. And so oh my gosh. everything I had expected and anticipated about becoming a mother during that time was very different. And so there was a lot of uncertainty about, you know, what would who would be allowed in with me, even if my husband would be allowed in the room with me. So there was just a lot of uncertainty with that time. There wasn't anyone coming up and saying, oh, you're getting, you know, you're growing and oh, wow, when are you due? There was really none of that because we weren't really seeing a lot of people. And then afterwards, too, it was still in the middle of all of that. And so um, it just looked a lot different than I expected as far as, uh, you know, having friends around, having a baby shower, having support, those kind of things outside of, you know, our core, me and my husband kind of family and um, some other close by family. So it was uh, an interesting journey (laughs) to get here. Wow, that's crazy. Honestly, I mean, you know, you hear a lot of stories from the pandemic and and everything that everybody experienced. And I don't think that's one I have ever really been aware of as far as like you, you know, walking that out and all of those kind of tried and true traditional things that you think of whenever you're pregnant. What has it been like for you kind of getting through that and rectifying that in your brain? Like, were there any positives that came out of that? I mean, nobody was like coming up and touching my belly that I didn't know. So I was like, that's, I guess that's a good thing. Cause I know sometimes people are really weirded out by that. And I think that was probably, that was, that was probably the only thing that I thought, well, this is, at least this is happening. But we did have uh, like a virtual baby shower. My mother-in-law put that together and it was so sweet. And so mm. I think there were moments like that where it strengthened bonds between, you know, family and stuff where I was like, oh man, these people are really here for me. Um, and same thing with, uh, with, friends and coworkers and stuff like that, that had sent presents and just feeling loved and, and seen, I guess, in the middle of that, where so many things felt so uncertain, felt really, really beautiful. Uh, and even afterwards, even though nobody was allowed to come to the hospital or anything like that, um, my in-laws stopped by and they dropped off a little cake and a few other things. And I had coworkers that sent food for, I think about three months. It was like a meal sort of thing that was already pre-made. I just had to warm it up. And those things I think will always stick with me of, just feeling so loved, so seen and not forgotten in a time where it just felt like everybody had so many things going on and it would be easy to forget. Oh my gosh. Yes. You're so right. You're so right. So Brittany on this podcast, we, we talk about a lot of different things. And, and one of the things that I feel like is super important for us to think about is kind of how we were parented in our life and how that's affecting how we're currently parenting our children. And so I was wondering if you could talk to us about that. Whenever you think about uh, how you were raised and what you experienced as you were growing up. What are some of the things that has impacted you and are therefore impacting how you are raising your beautiful daughter? So I remember really struggling with feelings when I was growing up. Um, I remember, uh, you know, crying on the steps watching, we were watching Call of the Wild. Like, I'll never forget it. I don't know why <laughs> this memory sticks out to me so much. 
But I remember sitting on the stairs and, you know, something had happened. I can't remember exactly what, but I was really sad about it. And I remember kind of hiding uh, because I felt embarrassed about those emotions. And so, uh, and I saw the same thing kind of with another family member as well. So I thought, well, I don't really want to continue that. I want my daughter to be able to express her emotions. And it's not to say that, you know, my parents were like, you can't feel anything because <laughs> I don't think that was the case, but something I, I internalized something that said, it's not okay to show your emotions. And so um, that's something we were working really hard with my kiddo on of, it looks like you're feeling this, or it looks like this is what's happening. Um, do you, you know, do you want to talk about it? Or we've been saying, you know, it looks like you're feeling angry. Uh, can you tell us what you're angry about? Or uh, it looks like you're feeling sad. And, and recently she's been saying, you know, I'm scared. So we'll say, okay, what should we do when we're scared? Or what can we do when we're scared? And really working through those feelings instead of them just existing, but ha- helping her figure out how to kind of manage them and lean into them and not see them as something necessarily bad or good, but just something that is. And so I think that's been a big one. Uh, another one is mindset stuff, just mindset stuff, especially around like money. Um, We didn't really talk about money growing up. And so that's something that we're really intentionally doing now where we talk about money and not only when it's a bad thing. (laughs) So not only when it's like, oh, we spent more than we expected this month, but just in general, we talk about money and starting to invest as well now uh, so that when my daughter gets older, we can make sure she understands how to do it too. So those are probably the biggest things is mindset and emotions. Oh, I love that so much. Is there a resource or something you're utilizing in order to kind of learn what's the best way to make sure that your kid feels comfortable sharing their emotions? Or are you guys just like weeing it? You're just coming up with it. <laughs> a little of both. So um, there's some books that we bought. Uh, one is, um, oh man, I'm going to forget the name of it now. I'll have to, I might have to come back to that. Um, oh, easy to love, difficult to discipline. That's one that I actually use as a teacher also, even though it was for younger kids, it's still really transformed how I communicated and connected with my students when I was a teacher. So that one was a great one. Uh, I work with my mindset coach a lot too. And I'll say like, Hey, here's what's coming up or here's what I'm noticing. I'm not sure how to help my daughter through this. And so I'll ask her questions like that of how do I help her process when she was saying she was scared about going to school because it's brand new. Um, you know, I was talking with my mindset coach and I said, okay, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like I, this is uncharted territory for me. I feel like I want to cry every time she says she's scared and just like hug her and take her back home with me and just forget about school. Uh, but I know that's not really best at this time for us. And so just kind of figuring out, I may not have known how to communicate those things as a child. So how can I bring that in uh, by looking to people like you, like other people I know that are excellent parents, listening to podcasts like these, those have been helpful as well. That's awesome. I love that so much. So you, what I love whenever I get to chat with entrepreneurs is that we're so not in the box, right? And so it's, I always try to remind myself to stay curious about why the entrepreneur I'm talking to has made the decision they've made. And it seems like we're always carving new paths um, or, or even reaching into history to find old wisdoms and bringing them to light. Uh, a lot of the times. And, but something you're doing right now that I think is so fascinating and interesting. And I think everybody needs to know about it who's listening right now, which is you're using AI in your parenting. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so stinking cool. So the the first pr- first thing you mentioned in a way that you're using AI currently, and you actually teach this in your AI copy club is meal planning in order to create more time for yourself so that you have more time with your daughter. Can you talk to us about what you're doing with that? So I don't super love meal planning just in general. I I find it exhausting (laughs) because I have a hard time making decisions and I'm like, well, I like this, 
but I don't think my husband will like this meal and will my daughter like this meal. And so it's, it feels like there's a lot of moving parts to me. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I am just going to have chat GPT do this for me. And so I put in all of our preferences. I put in, uh, you know, what my, my, uh, dietary needs are. So I have type two diabetes. So I have to make sure that I mean, things that are high in fiber, high in protein, lower in carb, like there's all these different, you know, low on the glycemic index, gluten-free. And when I'm looking for all of those things in a recipe book, it's impossible to find and super, super frustrating. And so with ChatGPT, I'm able to put in all those dietary needs, put in all of our preferences. Like we don't really like seafood. I don't really like asparagus, um, you know, random things like that. The things we like, the things we don't like. And then I ask it to create a meal plan for us. And so I give it some some parameters of like, we want it to be about, you know, these, this many calories, or, you know, this is what we do during a normal day. If you can help us figure that out. Uh, and then it creates the meal plan. I look over it. If there's anything I have questions about or anything, I'm like, actually, I forgot. I don't like this vegetable either. Like Brussels sprouts, for example, I don't really want those. <laughs> so I just will say, oh, I like this, but I don't like this. And it'll make those updates. And then I will use the chat GPT for plugin uh, to with Instacart to actually send over that meal plan to Instacart, which then creates that new order for me. And the groceries are picked up by somebody else and brought to our house. And so whereas it would normally take me like two hours, no joke, to plan meals. And maybe I'm sure there's people that are way faster than me, but I just I don't know. I just have a hard time with it. And then also another probably hour, hour and a half with grocery shopping, instead of spending, you know, three hours every week doing that, um, I'm spending five minutes a week instead. And like, it's so much better. It's <laughs> so much better. And I'm not buying extra things in the store uh, because I, you know, didn't have them on my list, but oh, it's on sale or oh, it looks good. So that's helpful. Oh my gosh. So see, I've heard people making meal plans with chat GPT before, but the fact that you integrated it with the the Instacart and that you have it delivered to your house. I just, it's so amazing, Brittany. And you're also using it for cleaning plans and chores. Is that right? Or you have training on it? Yep. So we have training on it, uh, but we also have, so I tell it, here are the rooms in our house. Here are the common things that happen in these rooms. Like in the office, we also have like a workout, some workout equipment in here. So uh, there's things that need to be put away, like just kind of cluttery stuff. Or on my desk, I usually have papers, you know, um, index cards, things like that, just with reminders. And so I'll talk about the stuff that happens in each of those rooms. Uh, and then I ask it to create a plan for me so that every day I'm spending only 15 minutes cleaning because I don't want to spend any more than that. Uh, but also I want the whole house to be clean throughout the week. So it came up with a plan for me. Um, as my daughter gets older, we'll also incorporate her more into that as well. And then instead of me being like, oh, nothing's ever clean, <laughs> I'll actually have more clutter-free space without having to feel like it's a burden to figure out how to do it. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And what's so beautiful about that is you're using all of your skills and all of your, your zones of genius in order to create this life that you envision for having time with your, with your daughter. Hey, powerful parents, Stephanie here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Did you know that statistics show that 88% of Americans say they eat dinner with their family every night or a few times a week? I think that's a pretty awesome stat. But if you're anything like me and you're an entrepreneur, then after a day filled of putting out fires and maybe various events testing your patience, sometimes it's hard to think of questions that can help you really connect with your kids beyond the standard, how was your day? When my kids were just littles, I put together a list of questions to solve this problem and to help us have something to connect with over dinner time. And now I would love to share my curated dinner questions with you. This is good for littles and for bigs. There's lots of different varying questions in there. 
And these questions are going to help to ensure that the conversation is not just lively, but will bring you closer to your children while you enjoy a delicious meal together. As a listener of this podcast, you can get access to these questions at www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Once you're there, make sure to type in your best email and I'll have my team shoot over the questions for you. Once you get the questions, I encourage you to make this a family affair, print them out, have your kids help you cut them out. We even grabbed a mason jar and my kids decorated it. And that's where we put all of our questions. And that same mason jar still sits on or near our dinner table to this day. We've been using these questions for close to eight years now, and I've really enjoyed the fun conversation and connection that's come from them. I hope your family enjoys them as much as mine have. Again, that's www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Now back to the show. So talk to me about how you're, you're currently connecting with your daughter. What does connection with your daughter look like? So she loves to paint. We'll paint together. Um, we have a little like easels for both of us, which is really fun. Uh, but she loves to paint. Um, we have a cooking set for her. So she loves to do that. A lot of times right now she'll say, mama, come up and play toys, mama toys. So we'll go upstairs and well, she has these little, this really cool rug actually, that's super soft and has like a little school on it and a house and a little road. So we take these little cars she has and play with them around there. And uh, she really likes running. So we'll go for walks and for runs and hikes. And we take Fridays off as a family. So typically we'll do something like that. Um, she also likes going to those, you know, those places that have like the jumping, I don't know, bounce zone or something like Dump that. Dump houses. Yeah. Yeah. So we go to those sometimes. She really loves those. Um, so those are some of our favorite things to do together. Do you find that whenever you were a kid, like the things that you felt most connected to whenever with your parents or your siblings, are they similar with your daughter? Uh, yeah, I think so. I did crafts with my mom and I played Barbies with her. I remember with my dad, like going to baseball games was a big thing. Doing sports was a big thing. So the running, I think, uh, kind of comes from that. Um, we're going to have her in like soccer and stuff soon. She really likes watching her cousin play. So yeah, I would say so. That's awesome. What does it look like with screens in your home right now? So right now we don't have many or we don't have, you know, she's not in front of that very long, but I will say a few months ago, that was a very different story. So a few months ago, before she was in daycare, we were trying to, my husband was launching his, uh, one of his offers. Uh, I had launches happening for myself, for clients. I had like <laughs> three clients that were launching. And so it felt like, it felt like so much of her day was actually in front of a screen. We were not wanting that. Um, but we also were like, well, we don't have any support right now outside of the two of us. And we both have things that we need to do in order to like, you know, live and stuff like that and make money. And so we thought, well, okay, this is going to be a season, but we don't want this to be forever. How can we make sure this isn't a forever kind of thing? And so for right now, she's in pre-K. She has very little screen time now because of that. But we do use screen if we're on a super long trip, uh, we'll do it then. Or like we're going to be going on a plane soon um, and she'll be using it then. So we want it to be like a special, uh, like this doesn't happen all the time. This is something special to go along with other special things and special memories. Um, so that's how we're, that's how we're tackling it right now. Okay. I love it. And, and what kind of screens do you have? Is it like an iPad or? Just TV. TV. Okay. And so she's watching things like off of maybe like Disney plus or something like yeah. that. We're um, Netflix kids. We do that one too sometimes. Um, so we'll do that. And then when we go on trips, it's either my phone or my husband's phone that she'll be watching from. Uh, the other thing that we sometimes do with phones uh, is she wants to look at pictures. So we'll look at pictures of family and friends and her and us. Aww. Yeah, she really likes that. And then we also watch funny dog um, videos sometimes right before she'll go to bed. Uh, she'll, she tries to like squeeze as much out as she can. So she'll be like, oh, can we cuddle? <laughs> and so we're like, okay, <laughs> of course. 
And so she'll want to watch, you know, funny dog video or cute dog videos or something like that. That's so cute. I love that. So in your opinion, because I, I do consider you an innovator, someone who looks to the future. I'm sure if you did Strengths Finder, futuristic would be somewhere up there in your top strengths. What do you see for the future of screens? And mm-hmm. what are your thoughts around that for our generations that are upcoming and 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 for us as parents? So I think we're going to see more screens everywhere. I, um, if you've ever seen the movie, uh, is it I not iRobot? No, that's not the one. Wally. Uh, if you've ever seen that movie where you know screens just kind of take over, I do think that we could go in that direction. Um, but I also, you know, how the pendulum kind of swings. Whenever there's an extreme of one, there's usually an extreme of the other, and it kind of falls in the middle. I think that we will see that where there's still more screens. And then I think we'll start to see generations where there's fewer screens because we start to see how that impacts the mental health of children and of adults. Um, so I think we will see that a little bit. But I know, I mean, we we enjoy the screens that we have, the computer, we have an Oculus. Uh, so we enjoy those. But I find that the more I'm off my screens, the more peace and fulfillment I feel. Um, and so actually, one of my goals is to be completely off social in 2024. Wow. Right. <laughs> Which is a bigger task than I realized. So, but I'm practicing now so that it's hopefully easier then, but um, that's one of my goals. And I'll still, I mean, I have systems in place, so they will continue to run without me. It'll still show up as if I'm showing up, but I just don't have to log in and do it myself, which will be good. But I, for her, I think for a while, she probably thought my phone was like an extension of my hand. Cause I felt like it was in my hand all the time. And I would leave my phone in a room and she'd bring it over and she'd be like, here, mama. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want this to be what she sees as the norm. And then we were at the park one time. I saw her running around with her pretend phone that somebody had gotten for her and she was talking on it the whole time. And I was like, this isn't, I don't want this to be, I, I want her to know what it was like to grow up without that, to grow up and go to the creek with your friend uh, and, you know, play in the water and splash without thinking, oh, I wonder what's happening on Facebook or I wonder what's going on here or there. Um, and so we've been making the conscious effort to, when she's around, not have our phone uh, like in front of our face or something like that. And that's been, it made me realize how much I had my phone. I didn't think I had as much as I did, but seeing that reflected back to me, I realized, you know, something has to change or she's going to have, there's a lot about my childhood I really loved. And I, I want her to experience those things of sitting on the grass, looking up at the clouds, you know, for 30 minutes, for an hour and not thinking, oh, I need to send somebody a message. Oh my gosh, that's such a great um, example that you're setting for her. And I think a lot of parents are kind of feeling that tug, especially when technology is getting so advanced. I think it was last week or two weeks ago or something, Apple Vision Pro was announced, which I don't know if you've seen Ready Player One or not. Um, And then you've got Wally. And I mean, it's awesome because technology is awesome. It's advancing our world. It, It helps us do a lot of things, but There is sometimes I I know that there are things that we don't even understand about what it is doing to us on all the different levels. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's pros and it's cons. And it's like you said, that pendulum swing and and sometimes in our own life personally, but also too as um as a society. Mm -hmm. And what what are we looking for? What are we wanting? And there's interesting conversations being had, like Elon Musk is talking about how. He wants AI to be regulated and for it not to be open. And there's fierce advocates for the exact opposite because they just want it to be open because what if AI could cure cancer? Right. And if more people had access and it was more open AI and more things could be integrated, then, you know, how, what, what kind of things could we do as a society? But 
I think is as interesting and as intriguing and as awesome as that sounds, it's also as equally terrifying, right? Because, you know, we all, we've all seen the movies of AI <laughs> taking over and the robots and, you know, the end of humankind. But I think it could even equate to something um, potentially, uh, I don't know if you can say anything worse than that, but something that we can't even quite put our finger on yet of what that might actually end up looking like. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not anti-AI or anti-technology by any means. I am totally pro-technology, but it's, I think it's important that we continue to have these conversations. And I love that you're thinking about immediately in your space, how technology is affecting you and then turn affecting the vision that your daughter has. And, and you're talking about this reflection of you're seeing your daughter see you and then imitating life. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some of the things, because I'm sure there has to be some of your own personal, like for 2024 to give up social media, um, I'm sure your daughter is a large part of that. But for you, what is what is it meant to feel kind of tethered to your phone because of business, because of the nature of what we do? And even those who aren't in business feel that same tether because mm-hmm. it's connection, right? And I feel like as a society, Um, we kind of live more isolated Mm -hmm. than I think that we're created to live. Mm -hmm. And so I think that social media gives us almost like a placebo of being connected Mm -hmm. when in actuality, our hearts and our our human souls crave actual community. Mm -hmm. And many of us uh, don't have that because we get this placebo. And so we don't actively, you know, try to create community in our lives. And so anyway, I, I think that across the board, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, that addiction to that connection on the phone is so very real. What am I missing out on? What do I need to know? Um, especially in some of the scary things that we've just lived through in the past couple of years. So what has been your experience with the phone itself and and what, how much of it has played into your decision for uh, a, uh, what is it, just a phone-free 2024 or no. just social media-free? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So social media is my goal. Um so I want to say one one thing before I start into this, I want to say, I think it's possible to run a business and not be on social media 24-7 or every day um, or checking your email all the time. And I say that because I, I feel like we kind of assume that you have to be on those things all the time or uh, you're going to be missing out on sales, et cetera. And so I think that we can create the exact life we want. And so because of that, I'm going in with the assumption that it's possible for me to do that and with the hope that I can show other people if it's possible for me, it's possible for you, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, I will still have social media running. It's just, it's going to be through social B, which is something that pushes the content out. I love creating content. So that's no problem for me. So I create the content and then I have uh, somebody on my team or I do it where we upload to social B and then it can send out for us. So we still are able to do business online without me having to physically show up and like log into an account, get stuck in the scrolling vortex and then like be there for three hours and so um, that's my take on that. And then even with my email inbox, I have a, a vacation, like out of reply sort of, or out of office reply at all times. doesn't matter if it's a random Monday or like a holiday. And it basically says, hey, I got your email. Just so you know, I only check my email twice a week um, and I don't check it at all on Fridays. I'm out of the office to have a family day with my with my family. Um, it's distraction free, so you can't reach me by phone, by email, by text, by carrier pigeon. Like I'm not going to answer. And I thought that my clients and customers would be so angry at me. <laughs> like that was one of my biggest fears. But nobody has been angry, and in fact, they've not only not been angry, uh, but I've had people say, "I'm going to do this too," or "Can I copy and paste this into my own?" Or um, you know, this inspired me to do the same thing. So it's cool to see that when you take that step towards this is what I want my life to look like that other people, it kind of gives them permission to do it too. So 
I guess I wanted to start with that because I think it's possible and I, I don't think a lot of people realize it's possible. So there's that. Um, and then as far as, I guess, why I decided to do that, there's a few reasons. One is because I remember in 2020 how volatile it was on social media. It doesn't matter what side of anything you were on. Like there's just so much anger and frustration and so many people that I love that had differing opinions and it just seeing a different side of them come out uh, really kind of broke my heart. And so that's one of the reasons that I decided 2024, I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be off. Um, and then uh, beyond that, just thinking a lot about deathbed Brittany and how I had a cancer scare in 2016. I think it was, I thought it was dying because they said you're dying. <laughs> you know, it's aggressive, blah, blah, blah. They were wrong. Like long story short, they were wrong, but um, it always stuck with me that I'm not immortal <laughs> and I don't want to feel the same regret that I felt when I thought that I was dying. And so mm. um, I know that Deathbed Brittany would not be super excited about how much time I was spending on Instagram, on Facebook, just scrolling through, um, doing things that weren't actually adding to my life, weren't making an impact on anybody. They were just like mindless, you know, scrolling. And so that was the main reason that I decided to do that was that as long as I am here on this earth, I want to have as full of an experience as possible. I want to have as big of an impact as possible. And I just simply can't spend hours on my phone and do like it, they weren't coherent they weren't con conclusive is that no that's not the word anyway they they weren't meshing yeah. I guess um so that's really when I started to make that decision was deathbed Brittany would not be okay with this so why is today Brittany okay with this oh my gosh girl okay so I I love so much of this and this just confirms kind of what I was telling everybody earlier about you is I just love your forward thinking about things and and it sounds like you've had some, you know, trying times that have led you to where you're, you, it's changed the way that you think. And sometimes, you know, as one, me being someone who has had a lot of death in her life with, mm -hmm. I lost my father and I've lost my mother and I lost a dear friend to cancer. And we watched him battle for years and years until he lost his battle. And when you face death, I could only imagine if it was myself facing um, a very serious sickness, especially if the doctor said, hey, you're, right. you're going to die. I mean, that would change perspectives. And 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 sometimes I wish, I, I, I wouldn't wish experiences like that on anybody because it's horrific. But gosh, if we could all have that perspective of being able to actually be in the shoes of, you know, deathbed Brittany, deathbed Stephanie, and it seems so morbid, but to live with the light of eternity in your eyes, right? Of like knowing that this is temporal, this is not going to last. Mm -hmm. And how do we want to spend this finite time that we have here and waking up every day with intentionality to live who that person is that we we want to be and and not getting stuck in a rut or allowing things to just pass by passively. And my husband and I talk about this a lot as far as what screens kind of do. And there was a time when my husband and I both played games together, right? We played MMORPGs. And at one point I was no longer playing and he was playing. And what I saw happening or the thing that I hated the most whenever I was in the midst of that for, for ongoing about two years on and off, but it really built to a, a boiling point. And the thing I hated the most was I just watched every day as my husband's ambition was sucked right out of him. And it wasn't that he wasn't doing things because he was, he was doing really cool things online, but it didn't translate into real life. Mm -hmm. And I know my husband, I know what's inside of him. I know the hero he is, the warrior he is. 
And it was like he was getting a a false sense of heroism, a false sense of accomplishment from, and people would argue with me, well, it's not false. He really did accomplish things. And I'm like, I know I went on the raids. I get it. Like there is a real sense of accomplishment there. But whenever you line yourself up and you say in the real world, what I want and who I am is way more than just showing up inside of this video game. Right. And um, I knew that about who he was and to choose that and to, to intentionally cut off the fluff of what binge watching can do. Right. And so listen, I, what did I recently binge watch? I recently binge watch shiny, happy people about the Duggars. Oh, that was a rough one. Okay. Um, but I binge watched it because a friend of mine had, and she was ranting about it. So I stayed up way too late. Um, and so like I binge watch, like I, I'm not perfect with technology. And I think that's what this podcast is all about. It's not about being perfect. It's about how do we show up intentionally and powerfully for our family and our kids and for ourselves. And so, but the binge watching, the endless scrolling, and and it's, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what are we looking for? Mm-hmm. And I think it's not just, I, I mean, I think it's not just the screens either. Like, I think it can be a lot of different things that we're looking for something where, yeah, we're searching for something. And it's like, this can numb me enough to forget that I'm searching for this thing or to not feel frustrated about X, Y, and Z. And I noticed that I had deleted the Facebook app. I deleted the Instagram app because I thought, well, I'm going to ease into this and see how it goes. And the first two weeks were terrible because I was so, I didn't realize how much I was using scrolling as a way to pacify and to forget that I'm, you know, that there were some things that were missing from what I wanted. And I noticed the first two weeks that I ate so much more than I normally do, which is really interesting. I didn't expect, I didn't expect the feeling that I got from scrolling, the satisfaction I got from scrolling to also be the same as satisfaction I got from eating and not eating for like, you know, actual nutrition, but eating like because I was trying to feel something differently. Um, And so anyway, all that to say, I think that screens and such are uh, one way, but I think there's a lot of other ways too, that we kind of mask our ambition and maybe protect ourselves feeling like, well, if I try and I fail at this, or if I try and work Mm -hmm. out, then who am I? And how does that impact my identity? How does that impact what I believe I can do? Those kind of things. Or at least I know that's what comes up for me. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so ultimately I believe it is a human problem, right? But let's just circle this back around to our kids, right? And so we're we're older now, we're adults, and a lot of these things are new technology that is around and it's constantly evolving, but we're digital natives raising digital nomads, right? Like, I'm sorry, we're digital nomads raising digital natives. They are in this. This is a part of their world. And so how much more so do we kind of have to watch it? Because before they even know they want to escape, they automatically can get drawn into escapism as a way of life Mm -hmm. and not being engaged in front of people, not engaging with life itself, not not being bored enough Mm -hmm. to figure out what's on the inside of who they are. Right. I think I think that's to me one of the scariest things because some of the greatest revelations I had as a kid was getting good and bored and stumbling into a passion. And I've seen that with my own children. And a lot of times when the default is the device, and maybe maybe we find that one of our children, the, the passion or the, the thing inside of them is to create, and maybe it is through a computer or whatever. Um, and that does happen, but what else is in there? Like, And if, if the device is always there to be the default, then sometimes our kids won't be able to hear. They won't be able to discover that for themselves and instead will have this other world that, you know, molds what 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 they think about themselves, which 
I think is something we have to just watch out for as parents and be vigilant, right? Because they're experiencing something we haven't experienced. This is the first generation um, that is really going to live through uh, an age where technology is what it is today and kind of in their face. And that's both positive and negative, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. It's pretty pretty intense, right? Um, But I love this so much. I know I want to be respectful of our time and we're kind of coming up on it, but Listen, Brittany, I want to you to tell everyone here, um, how can they connect with you? Where, where's the best place to go to learn about you and what you're up to, and, and especially AI Copy Club? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can find me, Brittany, at winwithsystems.com. You'll get my autoresponder as soon as you send an email, but I promise I'll respond. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, the queen of evergreen, also impact driven AI. Uh, and then as far as, um, AI copy club, I'm sure we'll have the link below, but I'd love to see you in there. We have so many, um, resources with that implementation calls to help you have the support you need to utilize AI in your business. And let me tell you guys, whenever I said ultra affordable in the intro, I mean it, this is like a no brainer for any, any person, any business person like this, this is an incredible resource for everyone. And Brittany, before you before we pop off, I just wanted to give you an opportunity that if there's a parent out there right now that that you know is uh, maybe they just had a period of time like you did where things got crazy and you blinked and next thing you know it's like wait this isn't the life I'm going for my kid has been on screen way too much and um, you know they find themselves in that position would you have any encouragement for them as we sign off? Yeah, I would say that there are different seasons of time and. Just because you've been in one season doesn't mean that's the season you're going to be in for the rest of your life, as long as you're intentional about it. And as long as you say, okay, this is what this season was. Now we're going to move into this other season. And if it feels overwhelming to leave one season and go into another, which it does for me sometimes, I think, okay, how can I do this in five minute increments? So today, you know, she's going to watch TV for five minutes less or 15 minutes less. Uh, and then we'll make that transition if that is something that feels overwhelming to you going from one to the other. And then I think finally, just you're doing a great job. It's it's a lot and it's hard sometimes, but just the fact that you're listening to this and thinking about how you want to intentionally live your life, intentionally parent your kids, I think speaks volumes about the kind of parent that you are. So kudos to you. Yay, Brittany. Thank you so much. I've so enjoyed having you on. Thanks for having me. I truly hope you enjoyed our episode today on the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Make sure to hit follow and subscribe so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You're not going to want to miss a thing. I promise. If you were impacted by this episode, do me a favor and leave a review with a comment. I read every one of them and I also pass them along to our guests. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links at powerfulparenting.com forward slash podcast. If you want to see more behind the scenes with me and my guests, be sure to find me on Instagram or Facebook. It's where we can have deeper conversations on these podcasts. Take care. And remember, it's not about being a perfect parent. It's about taking each day and working on showing up powerfully for our kids. They deserve it, and you are the parent for the job. See you on the next episode.